Hello everybody, my name is Alex, and this is the fourth episode of our podcast, Reframing Modern Medicine. Our mission is to bring awareness on the evolving treatment choices for the human condition. This episode is a continuation from last episode, where we interviewed Gloria Valencia, a family and marriage therapist about depression and anxiety. This episode, we focus mostly on how family can affect mental health. If you would like to enjoy this podcast with video, please check out our page on Spotify and YouTube. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy. And going back to, like, moms, you know, because, you know, on a daily, I get moms that come in, mm-hmm. they're under tremendous stress, mm-hmm. and I think we also talked about how we didn't want them to, I tell them, you know, you need to lower that stress level, mm-hmm. breathing, exercise, I recommend the little basic things. Right. But they generally will, will kind of like, yeah, okay, some of them will try it, and some of them will get to that breaking point where they, they know, I'm like, I did everything I could physically to help you. And now I know that it's no longer in your body. It, it's coming from your here, right, right. from your thoughts. That affects your body. And then it's coming down and manifesting in your body. Mm-hmm. And I tell them all the time, you know, stress manifests in the body, you know. Right. There's a few books on that, right? And so one woman actually did it because her mom was sick her father was sick and she'd go to Mexico and then she had her own kids and they had their own problems but she left and the father was was in trouble and so she would take care of him to mention a few other things and the mom was just giving her a hard time Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. oh why are you doing that oh why he doesn't like that do this Mm -hmm. and it was stressing her out even though she was trying to help and then when she got back she realized like I told her you need to like let figure out another method to help without Mm -hmm. being there and then she did she hired someone to go help and then she worked on herself and her she literally came from a walker to like a like two a weekend later like she was like i don't have a walker anymore like i'm I'm okay i you know i kind of stopped thinking about it and i just sent someone else to go there so i wasn't going i was just blown away i was like dang this stuff works it's it's amazing how powerful your mind is yes and that's what I mean about understanding what is yours to manage and what belongs to somebody else. Yeah. Right? Because if I'm stressed, like I said, for um, my parents and my father, they lived in Utah. Mm-hmm. I can't be over there every weekend. It's just too much. There's no way, right? So we had to figure out, we have family over there. So what are they taking care of? If I like it, I don't like it. That's besides the point unless yeah. i'm gonna go and do something different right yeah. so it's been allowing other helps to come in if like this person she can do it but she hires somebody so that way the parents are still having the the help that they need yeah she's providing that help but she doesn't have to physically be there yeah and so that's a release of stress again finding your your triggers if you know, if uh, visiting her parents was so stressful for her, then she figured out, well, if I have somebody that's a caregiver, yeah. when I go, I don't have to do any of that. I can actually just go and visit. Yeah, spend time with them. Right. So there's the, that stress level just mm-hmm. lowered. When we talk about uh, our stress level, it's like, what is it that we're stressing about and how much of it is mine to stress and how much am I stressing for whatever's going out there? Mm. Right, like this, she was stressing over her father's care. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. when she found somebody that could give him his care, that was all stress went down. Well, the mom, too, right? Right, so stress went down. Yeah, so it's about understanding that what is my stress level? I mean, we stress over the economy, 
what can I do about that? Can I find a better job? Can where can I cut corners? You know, there's things we don't have control over the economy. Yeah. So how much of that can I control? Well, I can control my spending, right? Maybe I can find another job. But as far as inflation is going to keep going up, I can't do anything about that. Yeah. All I can do is how do I manage my little spot over here? Yeah, I told you how. Sugar daddy. Yeah, yeah it's a sugar daddy. Olvídate. <laughs> <laughs> Cuando? Do you know one? Because <laughs> I'm looking for one. <laughs> when, uh, Monte was saying that uh, the front staff girl was, was making fun of her. Uh, she said, she's like, you know, you're old, Dr. Rivas, right? And they're young. She's like, you're not a sugar daddy. You'd be a sugar granddaddy. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, yeah, I'm not that old. Relax, man. No, you'd still be a sugar daddy. <laughs> But hey, you know, and sometimes that's what we need to release our stress, a sugar daddy. Because then I have all the money that I need. I can do whatever I want. And there goes my stress. Now, yeah. And it's about that, recognizing, again, when my children are adults. As a parent, we need to learn those boundaries. My mm -hmm. adult child is going to do what is best for my adult child. Mm -hmm. And that's a really hard point for our community because... We are not individualistic. Right. You were telling me, we talked about this. Yeah. The group yeah. mentality. The group the mentality. Herd. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so, and again, that's if, so my girls are basically second generation. I've been here forever and a day. I've been here on and off, but legally here since I was 13 years old. So I have grown up in the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. I'm All my education's here. Even though I wasn't born here, I still consider myself to be first generation. Right. right. And so my girls are second generation. So the dynamics between her and I, them and I is different than the dynamics between me and my mother because my mother is more traditional. Mm. Right. I grew up with those very traditional roles. Right? right. I was a girl. You get out of school. You find a good man. You get married. You have babies. Work and a career was not part of that conversation. But I'm in my 60s. Mm -hmm. Right. So, again, it's having an understanding where is your parent coming from mm. to be able to have some of these conversations and understand why they worry about you, why they stress over you. Right. Yeah, because, yeah, a lot of times, most of the time when the women come in, they're stressed about a lot of things. They're stressed about the fact that, you know, my kid, my, and you know, they have younger kids, maybe like in their teens or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. Or it doesn't matter. I guess you're right. But in general, they, they, Oh, oh, my kids are stressing me out. My kids stress me out. My my this stressing me out. My parents, you know, and I, and you know, I mentioned to you before, like, how do I tell them? I tell them, like, you know, you need to manage that. Stop stressing, and that's not the right answer because mm -mm. you're, you, like you said, you, you're you're trying to change them, and and you can't do that. You're telling them not to be themselves, right? Right. So right. then the right approach would be. Well, for if you have teenagers, like if your child is struggling with something, what's going on with your child? This is a hard town to raise children yeah this is a difficult place and unfortunately after covid a lot of the right now teenagers anxiety is rampant around teenagers and then you go with depression right so they're there is your kid acting out mm -hmm. what's going on with them mm -hmm. what's going on at home because remember whatever's going on at home is affecting your kid mm -hmm. i always tell parents i say you know because when they come um I don't work with children anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> uh -huh. no. Do tell. No, do tell. No, uh, children, if you have a child that's having behavioral issues, you know, that's 
a lot of children don't have the language to say what's bothering them. So what's going on at home, right? Is it because maybe parents work too much and he doesn't see his parents very often? Is he being abused by a babysitter? It's what else is going on, right? So you always have to think like, what's going on in the home with the parents? If you're married and you and your wife hate each other, Mm. Oh, but we never fight in front of the kids. Yeah, yeah, that's very common. I hear that all the time. Every time I hear that, it's like, yeah, you don't. But don't you think your child picks up on the energy that you and your husband are there just like, you know? Have you ever seen people together that they cannot be further apart? You just see that disconnect. Your child feels that, mm. right? And when, whenever I hear this, like, oh, no, my, my we don't do that. And like, you may not, but your child still knows what's going on. They may not know the language to describe it, but they know the feeling. They know that you and their dad don't talk to each other. They know that you never speak to each other, hmm. right? That and when they do, maybe it's in your room, but they hear the yelling. They hear the loud voices. They hear the negative in that. You know, if I'm mad at you, I'm not going to speak to you in a caring tone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be short, rude. That's why I talk to Alex. No, I'm yeah, just kidding. See, that was, that's why Alex is over there all depressed. <laughs> see, now we see we found your trigger, Alex. <laughs> He's going to quit. Don't say that. <laughs> I need you, Alex. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's because time and time again, they keep coming in. And then they get grandmothers. And it, it feels like it, like... Like it multiplied. It like it was a mm-hmm. like, I had a problem as a mom. Now I'm a grandmother, and it's like abuelita's got issues because everybody else got issues. And it's like, damn, like relax, grandma. Like it's supposed to be easier as you get older. I, well, I don't know, but I suspect that you would think, as we get older, that life should become a little less stressful or at least easier. You know. But again, what is the generational trauma that you have going on? Generational trauma is trauma that extends from one generation to the next. It begins when a group experiences a traumatic event that causes economic, cultural, and familial distress. In response, people belonging to that group develop physical or psychological symptoms. Mm. Right. If grandma had trauma that she never processed, grandma was abused or, I mean, again, with the uh, migration, what was their pattern of coming here? Yeah. How do they oh. get here? Yeah, I've heard the stories. Yeah. Right. How do they get here? It's like people with the um, survivors of the Holocaust. If you look at their children, mm-hmm. right, their children have a lot of issues because of the parents. You know, like the parents didn't talk about what happened to them in the camps. You know, yeah. they have hoarding issues, some of them, with food, you know, with certain things that oh, they need, right? Right. So, again, because mom had a room full of food because they were afraid they were going to run out, right? And without thinking for mom. She also uh, passed down that fear and that trauma to their child. So you have to look if it's grandma, daughter, you know, grandma, mom, and the daughter all come in and they're all kind of having the same thing. It's like, what kind of issues are being just recycled is that generational trauma. But how does that work now with like, because like women at least from my understanding women are kind of the sponges of emotion right uh it's been described this way and and so when you have that and then you have roles gender roles or you know roles of uh, partnership or marriage and you're coming from you know 
first generation, second generation. Mm-hmm. How does one manage that? Because, you know, traditional versus American, it, it there's a there's big changes. Big, uh, there's two opposites, right? right? There's very two opposites. Like I said, here in America, we learn to be individuals, right? You take care of yourself. Yeah. You know, right? In the Latino community, we're a group. We all take care of each other, mm. right? And so when you have this generational issues, let's say grandma had trauma. She never processed it. How did she raise her child? Was she abusive? Was grandma abusive? Mm-hmm. Right? Was grandma emotionally withdrawn from her kid? I'm there and I'm feeding you, but do I ever hold you? Do I ever tell you I love you? Do I ever show any care for you? Yeah. Right? So grandma's there and she's feeding this and that, but you're not getting that emotional support that you need. Mm-hmm. And we do parent unless we actually take an active role to change those things. Mm-hmm. We parent the same way we were parent. Yeah. Right. So if I went to tra- trauma, I need to, first of all, be aware mm-hmm. that this happened to me, that this affects me. How do I change it so that I don't repeat it with my own kid? Yeah. But sometimes you don't realize that it's a bad thing because people say, well, look at me. I'm fine. I got a job. I got bought a house. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm working. You yeah. know, this kid's not on the street. He's not a gangster or whatever. So that's the response or at least their go-to when when someone says something like that and it's like well but still well and again it's like yeah i go to work but are you the functioning alcoholic a functioning alcoholic is someone who's dependent on alcohol but is still able to function effectively within their daily lives that means that they'll still be able to continue doing many of their daily tasks just like going to work are you the guy that comes home and beats on your wife (laughs) are you the one that you know sheets you know, every single person that comes around you, you know, you're going to be cheating. You know, there's other things that we do. So we can never say, I'm all right if I never process my trauma. Yeah. Something's going on with you. Yeah. Hmm. And how does one even begin that process to, to find out? I, I, I feel like people find out later in stages, later uh, in the later stages of life towards the end. Because when you're younger, I think you're so consumed with life. You know, whether you're a parent or whatever, going to school, you're so busy. There's no time to think twice about anything. And then especially not yourself at times. And then when we get older, everything becomes, at least for me, it feels like it's more precious. Mm-hmm. Everything's it's more so much more meaningful that I don't like I think about just thinking about my mom right now. It's like I want to go see her and I want to make it about her. I want to hang out with her. I want to like take her out to eat, make her laugh, mm-hmm. you know, do these things. And it's and it's only then. But how does one with such a busy life even begin that process or, you know? And that's where you have to put yourself first. And that's something we don't do in our community. Whenever I tell my clients, like, you have to remember you have to be first. And they look at you like, no, what do you mean? I'm the last person that eats. I'm the last person at that table, right? I'm the last person that goes to bed. I'm, I'm the last of everything. My family is first. But but that's a leadership thing. And so in, with leadership, that's one of the things that um, is kind of one of the fundamentals, they say, at least from the military. And, and I've heard it in other realms that you're there before and you're, you stay after and you make sure everyone is taken care of. Like here at work, I try to do that. I mm-hmm. try to make sure, you know, is everyone OK? Does everyone have what they need? Do we have the resources necessary. OK, fine. 
you know, you know, sometimes I'll be like, yeah, like she wants something to eat or something. All right, we're good. So I try to do that, but I don't know in the case of moms, like, is there a place for it or is is that an incorrect way to, well, to, to process it, and handle There's a difference things? though, right? If I'm totally consumed with my children's care and I don't take care of myself, I mean, you look pretty well put together, so you take care of yourself. I'm sure you have lunch. You don't just feed Alex and you don't feed yourself, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. If you're tired, you work out. You do all these things, that's your self-care. So you are putting yourself first in order for you to provide services for others. Mm -hmm. I always tell people, if I'm not feeling well, of course my sessions are not gonna be well, right? So I have to take care of myself so that when I have a client, I have to be present, I have to be there. I have to be there and be able to be there for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I can be sitting there thinking about my own stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, because that's, I lost my commitment to that person. The same thing as a parent. Going back to this grandma, grandma was there feeding you. Grandma was there, you know, doing all these things for you. But she was never there emotionally because she wasn't there emotionally for herself. Hmm. Because I don't want to feel those emotions. I don't want to be angry. Mm -hmm. Right? I don't want to, you know, and you, and you kind of fake it. Right, grandma smiles, but then you're like, but grandma's kind of distant, you know, grandma really never, never really has deep conversations. Hmm. Right? Grandma's kind of, yeah, she's happy in the kitchen. And that's great if when she comes out with her food, it's like, we're gonna share. And you know, so you have you seen those commercial where grandma comes out and everybody's so happy and da, 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 you know, not all meals are that way. Mm. You know, grandma cooks, it's like, this is what I give you. Yeah. Right, but there's, there's it's it's a chore that i have to do it's not something that i like to do or maybe enjoy doing it's something that i have to do but i think they well mothers tell me and grandmothers say they take real joy in into that uh, some of them maybe not all of them because they're like you know i'm feeding the kids yeah but that's also very cultural that's our role yeah. right i mean i'll tell you a funny story um so when my oldest daughter uh became pregnant you know, of course, I'm calling everybody and telling them, you know, my child is pregnant. Uh, and at that time, how old is my grandbaby? She's 14. So at that time, I was still going to school and I was working. And a relative of mine actually says, oh, so you're going to quit working, right? And I'm like, why would I quit working? What are you talking about? She's like, well, you're the grandma. You're supposed to stay home and care for her. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not that grand of grandma. <laughs> Sorry. American <laughs> right? grandma. Yeah, but American sure, grandma, yeah. I still work. Yeah. You know, but those are the roles. Those are very specific uh, cultural and gender roles. Yeah. Right? It, like, it, it flew out of her, and it was a woman. It flew out of her mouth, like, it's natural, and, you know, yes. yeah, natural. Like, that was, and I'm like, no, like, no. I said, even as I'm raising my children, I, I always worked because that was important for me. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I had my role as a parent, but I also needed a role of who I am, my person. What do I enjoy? What do I do? And that's, and that's I think, the difference in me able to set certain boundaries with my daughter because I never lost who I am. Yes, I am their mother, but I'm Gloria first. Yeah. How do I convince women of that? How do I tell grandma that? How do I tell, like, all the mom? Because that's really what I want to know, right? I, I, every day it's it's... It's that struggle of like, you know, the, the mom's got three kids. She's a single mom and, you know, there, no one takes care of the kids except her. The, mm -hmm. the partner's gone or whatever the situation may be or new to the country, etc. It's like, uh, I, I, I feel 
terrible sometimes because the stories they, they share. Yeah. And I tell them, one day I'll be a millionaire, marry you all, and I don't have all the kids. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, she's like, me habla, okay? And I'm like, no, I'm just kidding. But it, it, it really is, 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 is tough because I, I, the, going back to the story of my friend telling me that, you know, she, her mom then eventually like got to that point where she just had a like breakdown. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm surprised it is not happening more often given the circumstances in this town, no. you know, or in any town really, but um, the way they cope, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't and, know. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that I, like I said, going back to what I had said earlier, when I have, cause I do work with older women and, and in some ways it's very difficult cause they have very, uh, solid walls i call them walls right solid walls it doesn't matter what you say like yep it just bounces back like it's not going through, it's like stuck right? in their ways kind of it's right? stuck yeah, in their ways yeah. right and so you kind of go back to at least what i try to do is ask like oh so what kind of th- things do you like oh i love to cook really so let's talk about what you like to cook and then sometimes they get you know after certain conversations like you know i i, I cook because that's what I have to do. That's what I do. Okay, so what else do you like to do? I don't cook. I like to bake. Like, don't yeah. put me in the kitchen, right? I yeah. like to bake. So yeah. that's how I show my love. But it's kind of opening, you know, what we call it uh, peeling the onion. Yeah, Simone. Right, yeah. peeling the onion. Take uh, it off. Yeah, ver que, que está aquí. What's, what's underneath there, you know? Yeah. Grandma, what do you like to do? Grandma, where do, you, where do you have fun? Grandma, do you have any friends? And some friends, they'll tell you no. Okay, no, no, no. are you part of the church? Can you join a, a church group? And so I'm like, well, I, oh, I don't know. No tengo right. I hear oh, yeah. a lot of that. Very common. No, yeah, no tengo right. A ver, tiene mami, like, you have Medicaid? Okay, let's call transportation because you can get uh, oh, uh, rice really? to certain places. Oh, that's what nice. are we going to do here, right? Because yeah. there's different, some of them, you know, if they're not medical, they can still, they still need to pay maybe like $4 or something yeah, like that, right? Nice, yeah. So it's kind of like that. It's like, so grandma, when was the last time you hung out with your friends? When was the last time you just spent some time by yourself where you didn't have 20 little munchkins running around after you? <laughs> We got to put grandma to work, though. <laughs> well, and then grandma has been working, right? Because, you know, sometimes, again, my grandson, he's seven. It's like, grandma. I'm like, not today, sweetie. I'm tired. <laughs> Let's see what we do. Come here. Hang out, hang out with me outside. Yeah. You know, because I do stuff outside. Like, hang out with me outside. He yeah. finds rocks. He does this. Oh, that's cool. Show me a bug, you know. But yeah. I'm still doing what I need to be doing, and I'm still spending time with him. Mm. So it's finding activities that um, that keep you guys kind of both busy, and because it, it, the thought of uh, last night, I also spoke to someone else, another mom, and she told me, you know, they always say you gotta pour from, you know, fill your cup up and pour from it, and she says, as a mom, I mean, that's what she was saying, as mm-hmm. a mom, you're pouring. There's nothing in the cup. You're just pouring. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying is that if you are not okay, you are not going to give what the other person needs. Right? That's the self-care. And I know for a lot of people, it's like, but that's, um, I'm going to say, um, self-centered, muy orgulloso, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And I say, you know, some of the those self-cares are very simple. I was looking, you know, I, I'm always trying to steal this book. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> but in this, the breathing like oh, yeah. as simple in the morning instead of jumping out of bed and running around to go make breakfast lunches or whatever sit in your bed stretch 
-hmm. Stretch for a couple of minutes, right? Then when you're fully stretched, just look at uh, babies when they wake up. Man, they do the best stretches, right? They yeah. just stretch, and then you see like the little motor kind of starts, right? That's what we need, and that's very simple. It's going to take you, what, a minute? Just stretch, yawn, get some uh, air into your lungs. Mm -hmm. Get up, drink a big glass of water because mm -hmm. that gives you energy because mm. you have been asleep for a certain amount of time. You're dehydrated. Mm -hmm. Very simple. Energy. Before you drink your coffee, make sure you're drinking at least eight, eight, eight ounces of water. Just okay. water. Just plain of water, right? All right Again, it. you know, those are things breathing. And the breathing exercises are super, super easy. Breathe in through the nose slowly, breathe out through your mouth slowly. Yeah. You can do a count. And yeah. I tell people, even three breaths can help you relax. Yeah, three. What about as a as a male with a partner? How would you recommend that they approach it to 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 help their partner through these daily tasks and you know struggles? Well, again, it's something that before you offer help, you need to really figure out what what it is that your partner needs. Well, I mean, I don't know. If I see him struggling, I'm like, it, it, it's like if I saw you carrying a box every day. In my mind, I'd be like, I think Gloria needs help. Gloria need help. Nah, I got it. And you're struggling. All that. And then at some point, I'm like, all right, Gloria got hurt now. Or maybe she fell. I'm like, I got Gloria, I'm helping. I don't care what you say. I'm going to pick up the box. But see, that's the whole thing. If I tell you I'm okay, right, then you have to respect that. I say, really? But when you need help, let me know I'm here to help you. Right? Because sometimes we do have to fall. And a lot of times, it becomes more of a... Um, a trigger or then fadas que alguien te esté siempre diciendo, te quiero ayudar, te quiero ayudar. Because then you're reminding me that I'm not able to care for myself. Like you're a victim or something? Yeah. Not necessarily a victim that I'm less than. Because oh. if you're always having to care for me, yeah, then you're letting me know that I can't care for myself. Mm. And remember when little kids, you know, we teach them self-sufficiency, right? Yeah. And that's what? Learning to care for themselves. Mm. So when I broke my arm, because I've always been very self-sufficient, you know, just because of my background, how we grew up and stuff like that. So when I broke my arm, it was really, really hard for me to ask for help. Really? Oh, yeah. So when, as, when I was in a cast, it was easy because people could see my cast. Yeah. Right? Because I will need help opening this bottle. Sometimes I still need help to open the bottle, right? I'm right here. Yeah, uh -huh. there you go. <laughs> right. But once it was gone... Then I'm like, how do I tell people that I can't open this damn bottle of water that I need help? Right. So right. I had to work through that because I needed help because I can't be hurting myself all the time. So it's again, I have to recognize that I do need help in order to accept your help. Right. Yeah, because I've, I've had individuals that come in with injuries and even friends that, you know, have gone through injury so severe that they're paralyzed now mm -hmm. and so that that's got to be overwhelming too it's what you're saying but at a very extreme you know drastic change in their lifestyle and again it has to do with where you are in your life mm -hmm. um as i told you with uh, my close head injury i'm partially deaf from it i still have deaf perception issues i'll walk into doors i walk into the wall you know i oh, do really yeah i mean i know they're there but i'll still bump into them i'll still walk into them and stuff because mm. i don't have that perception right but when it happened to me i was in a place in my life where i saw it as a blessing what had happened to me mm. 
right? Because I always wanted to go to school. But, you know, life was in the way. I had children. I worked. I had a family. I had a husband. I had a home. I had all these things that I needed to take care of. Mm-hmm. I have this accident. And the doctor's like, man, you're lucky. This should have killed you. And I'm like, oh. I remember when he said that to me. I sat there. I'm like, well, thank you, baby Jesus. You know, because I have my girls. <laughs> you know? It's yeah. like I have to raise my girls. Thank you. You know, I'm, I'm glad. I'm going to be here for my children. My daughters were 13 and 6. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Right. But then after, because by the time I was able to, you know, kind of function, it had been about two to three months. And then I'm like, hmm, he did say I was lucky I was alive. So what does that mean for me? Do I keep doing the same or do I follow some of those dreams I had? I wanted to be a college graduate. My accident didn't happen in June, January of next year. I was in college. I enrolled in school because I didn't see it as a deficiency, even though I lost my hearing, even though I was, you know, I had to learn to redo a lot of things. Right. I saw it as an opportunity. Hmm. Right. It's like God gave me, you know, one door closed, something else open. God gave me an opportunity to follow my dreams. Yeah. And so went back to school, took me forever. I did my associates bachelor's my master's degree yeah. right and for a minute there i thought of a phd but i'm like nah, mucho trabajo <laughs> oh i know isn't that what life's about mucho trabajo? Like, oh, no, no 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 i'm like no 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 but again it's how you take these things yeah right am i gonna be defeated or am i gonna see the silver line the silver lining yeah in your case that's amazing congratulations to you thank that you, is an amazing you. story i didn't yeah. even know this oh yeah it's fascinating yeah I mean, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. but you, yeah, thousand. I do it all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you my other stories. No. <laughs> but what what do I do in the case of, uh, let's just say, um, or what would anyone do in the case of, uh, you know, like I had a mom, uh, mom come in and she said, you know, my my son passed away, and um, and it'd been maybe a year, and she was like, this was a kid that took care of me. And I shared with her, I told her, you know, in that moment, she started to tear up, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I told her, you know, I first thing I told her, I don't know if it's right, but I told her, I don't think you should cry because I'm, I'm sure your son would not like you to cry, at least in this moment when you're trying to help yourself. You're, you're, you're trying to, you know, work on yourself here. And I told her, you're, what was your son like? She described him. He was the one that would, you know, get, buy me all these things and try to help me to feel better. Send me to the doctor. And I told her, I'm right here. Mm-hmm. And this is, I'm him. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you got to understand that even though your son's not here, he's here with us. And I'm I'm him. Mm-hmm. And it kind of helped a bit because then she stopped crying and she smiled and she realized. Because I told her, I have a mom too and I'm, I help all the mamas here, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of mamas here and I need to help them. So, and it really helped her in that moment. But I don't know what else to say. What What, what would be the would you say the best thing to say or what What would you do in that situation? Well, for her, what I would say, I wouldn't tell her not to cry. That's not something that I would say. But then again, yeah. you know, it'd be, it's in a different, like I say, right, whatever yeah. you feel that is appropriate and the person accepts it, it's appropriate. Right? right. Like I said, there is no formula. Yeah. Um, but what you told her is, is right. I always tell people this. It's like, remember, there's earth angels. I always say earth angels, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you know, this and that. And I met a person that's really helpful. Or, you know, I was in this mess and, you know, this person came out of nowhere. I'm like, you know, that could be your earth angel, right? Mm. And they're like, 
No, I thought about that. I said, no, pay attention. There's a lot of people out there that are willing to help you, mm-hmm. that are willing to hear you, that are, you just have to allow yourself. Because mm. a lot of the times, because we're depressed, because we have a loss, we close down. Mm-hmm. And those, that's situational, right? She lost her son. When we talk about grief, grief is not linear. Grief doesn't have a time period. Yeah, I learned that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. One day I could be perfectly fine and not be happy, and the next day I'm just upset and crying and sad. Then the next day I might be pissed. Like, how? why did this happen to me? You know, and the next day I'd be like, man, you should have taken me instead of that person. Right, right? Yeah. So you go through all that. And that's the first thing I tell people when they're in mourning. It's like, you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days, right? Because it's it's not linear. I, I use a lot the the road, you know, like, if you get in the freeway, you're going to have straight road. You're going to have curves. You're going to go uphill. You're going to go downhill. There's going to be detours. There's going to be bumps on the road. I said, that's how life is. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be days where you're going to be good. Mm-hmm. You know, and for you to say, yeah, you know, sound like you're still having, you know, you're still, you know, mourning for your child. But remember, you do have, and here I am. And what you said, I mean, she probably connected to you with that. It's like, this is. Because, again, I always tell people, it's like, we don't leave. When we die, we don't leave. We're here. Mm-hmm. That's the spirituality part that I talk about. You right. know, how do you connect with those parts? Yeah. So, and again, just say, you know, I understand that, you know, it must be really, really hard. It sounds like he was really, really good to you, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, is there, you know, I'm here and I can do this, but, you know, who else in your life do you have that's like that? Is it, do you have friends? You know, is there other people out there that also support you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and how do you honor your son? Because mm-hmm. that's something that I also oh. say. How do you honor your son by taking care of yourself and making sure that you're okay? Yeah. I me- and I said it. And I said something along those lines, mm-hmm. too. Like, he'd want you to take care of yourself. That's why you're here. Yeah. But, wow, yeah. Mm. And, again, because you are acknowledging their pain. Yeah. A lot of us, the issue why we close down is because people tell us we shouldn't feel that way. Oh, it's, ya tiene años que se murió. Ya tiene años que te divorciaste. You know, it doesn't matter. If it still pains me, then it's still valid. Yeah. Our emotions are valid. What we do with our emotions is what gets us in trouble. Yeah. Right? Because I, I can be mad. That doesn't mean I get to punch you. <laughs> you could try. You could try, right? <laughs> but I have a right to be mad. I do yeah. not have a right to act out. On yeah. my anger and the same thing with sadness and grief i have a right to feel that mm. but i really don't have a right to just put myself into that hole and when i say right is that you're not only damaging yourself if you talk to this mom does she have other kids does she have a husband yeah, yeah. how are they dealing with yeah right so is that that effect that uh you oh, know the ripples of the, the water ripples and, right yeah. it's the same thing i'm not good and i'm the mom the grandma here's my husband he's my other children they know they're feeling it because i am not meeting their needs either hmm. you know if i'm always feel sick and like i know you know no me siento bien hijo hmm. me voy a costar yeah because in, in our community, what I see a lot with, uh, especially women, they come in um, with a lot of physical issues, a lot of headaches, yeah. stomach aches, mm-hmm. you know, and it's all that. It's, it's that emotion. But 
mm-hmm. you can't you can't really process it. Maybe mm-hmm. because you will never learn that it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to be mad. It's okay to do that. Gender roles. Mm. Even though we are the emotional creatures, we're also the ones that are supposed to manage your emotions. Mm? Yeah. Remember, we're 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 the keepers of everything. Yeah. My cousin said that once. She said the women are the keepers, and yeah, we're women the are ke- very powerful, very the strength and the backbone of you know mm-hmm. families and stuff. Mm. And it's not about not having stress. Like I have plenty of stress, but it's how do I take care of it how do I take care of myself you know do I exercise do I eat well do I sleep do I cut down on the drinking you know who do I hang out with what things do I do yeah you know like the other day yeah self-care right Mm -hmm. like when you you know I tell you you know I'm a vendor I come in here and I'm tired but I'm like but that felt pretty good you know even though I worked all this hard it was cool I spent time with people not doing my job it's a different way of interacting yeah. I got satisfaction because I made money. And yeah. I got satisfaction because it's the stuff that I picked that somebody liked and they bought it. So mm-hmm. it's all these, even though there's a lot of work, there's also a lot of benefits for me. It makes me feel good that my business is doing well. It makes me feel good that my client came back to see me again. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel good that, you know, I get along with my kids. It makes me feel good that this happened. Of course, I'm not totally happy because there's stuff in the world, but... I'm very content. Difference. Mm. We all need to be more content. Yes. Because when we shoot for happiness, we think there's only one way to get it, right? Then everything has to be perfect. But if we're content, we're opening ourselves to say not everything's going to be okay. There's still going to be problems. But overall, 80% of the time, 70% of the time, I feel pretty good. So I'm content. Is that is that what you would tell someone that has like uh, kids, and uh, is struggling to like? Am I doing the right things? Am I you know putting a lot of pressure on themselves to be this amazing parent to make sure they don't ruin this child in their mind? You know what I mean? <laughs> to be content. Is yeah. That, is that? Well, actually, when I have parents that come in with that, I always uh, ask my uh, my parents to take parenting classes. Okay. And I tell them it's not because you're not a good parent. It's because a parenting class will teach you, give you more tools. You'll have more tools in your toolbox to really help your child. Mm. Right? Because, again, we go back to I'm, I'm one of seven. Right? We were not all the same. We all have different personalities and we all needed different things. Right? But my mother treated all of us the same. Mm. Well, except the boys, because you know you're special. Of course. Right. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like she, she, everybody was the same. Yeah. And sometimes that's the struggle because you have a, a, a super hyper kid and then you have another that's pretty quiet. Well, the quiet one is going to be ignored because the squeaky wheel is the one that gets the, the oil, right? The hyper one is going to getting all the attention. Mm-hmm. And then you're laying it in this other one because, oh, he's no trouble. He's okay. Yeah, that's. I think of that kid now. (laughs) Yeah, and then you grow up and you're like, uh, I never felt loved. I felt ignored. I felt left out. You know, the abandonment issue, you know, because... (laughs) Middle kid syndrome. (laughs) Middle kid syndrome, right? (laughs) Because the oldest gets attention, the little one gets attention, and you're just kind of in the middle. Like, where'd he go? Saber, he left. Yeah. He's up there somewhere. Yeah. it's, uh, It's funny, just... But it's, again, you have to be mindful as to, to me, I think the first thing that we need to do is like, do I really want to have kids? 
How many kids do I want to have? Oh, my God. That's a whole other thing because people don't want to have kids nowadays. Like, my generation is just not really, I mean, you either had them already or you're definitely like, nah, I'm good. Or people say, I just want one. One's enough. I just had one and then that's it. But, but then I noticed that when there's only one, at least in like my family, I can speak for everyone, that there is a lack of interaction with a sibling or someone. I feel like, you know, maybe she have another one. What do I know? But I'm like, I, I had a brother and mm-hmm. you know, I had a sister and I'd play with them and, and do things with them. And But nowadays, no one wants to have kids. They're just like anti, no, it's a nightmare. It's too much work and it's expensive. That Expensive usually comes first. Mm-hmm. I can't, I don't got the money for it. You mm-hmm. know? You're expensive, Alex. So number one is like, <laughs> it's, a, it's an expensive thing. Yes. And then they're like, oh, it's too much time and effort. Mm-hmm. But then how, like, how does that, is, that's a cultural thing, right? It's the American, is it an American culture thing? I or don't is it just think so. Uh, what I have found is that a lot of the people that don't want to have kids is pretty much the people that are like, I don't want to give my kid the kind of childhood that I had, mm. right? It's like, again, I'm a I'm one of seven. Sound like art. Mm-hmm. I only have two kids. Yeah. Right? And there's a big age difference between my two girls. Oh. My oldest is in her mid thirties. My youngest is barely gonna be thirty. So there's a big age difference. Yeah. Right. Um only my oldest sister has more than, than two, simply because she was married twice. But even though we came and the reason that I can tell you that most of us, most of my siblings, we desire to have one or two. It's because we knew growing up that you just don't have the time or the energy, especially if you work. If you're a full-time mom, maybe, but you don't have, at least for us, you know, in my experience, it's like my mother did not have the tools to be raising seven kids. Yeah, man. that's You guys are taking care of each other, aren't you? Yeah. That point. Yes, yes. You know, and I talked to, like, there's, between myself, I'm the third one. Between myself and my youngest sister is nine years difference, right? And we talked about how because I was kind of like the middle kid, I was in charge of a lot of stuff, mm. right? You know, the parentification of, of a child. Parentification occurs when a child is regularly expected to provide emotional or practical support for a parent instead of receiving that support themselves. The role reversal of parentification can disrupt the natural process of maturing, causing long-term negative effects on a child's physical and mental health. Right. So I'm like, why would I want to raise more kids? <laughs> I hear that a lot too. Yeah. yeah, it's like, why would I already raised a bunch of kids? I already had that experience. So now I want to be me. I want to be able to travel. I want to be able, and it's not out of uh, selfishness. Yeah. It's just more recognizing that you may just not have the tools or just the want to reproduce. I think a lot of people fear also not having a partner to help them. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's a big thing in our in, in society, you know. Yeah. And if you go back to why we have such high rates of, of divorce, it's because, again, we don't take the time. We just assume that that's what we do. We get married. Yeah. Like I said, me growing up, I was never told why you're going to go to school. It's like... When you're gonna get married? Yeah, that's the thing that everyone asks. Yeah, no, it's like I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so again, it's it's the cultural stuff. A lot of it has to do with culture. A lot of it has to do with just your own experience. Mm-hmm. Do I have 
the skill set, the ability, do I want to be a mom? Because mm. children are a lot of work. Yeah. Not just the, the, you know, it's not just, again, we'll go back to that grandma or that mom that fed you and clothed you and gave you a home, but she was never emotionally there for you. Yeah. But she fulfilled her cultural role yeah. at having babies. Mm. A lot of people are not willing to do that anymore to fulfill those those roles. They actually want to be able to fulfill what they need, you know. Mm. So whenever I talk to to women, they're like, you know, I'm I'm people are giving me a hard time because I don't want to have kids. Yeah. But that's your choice. Yeah. Yeah, women don't want to have kids. Uh, what's gonna change? Elon Musk and a few others talk about you know the collapse of society and as time goes on because. There's not going to be enough young people to fill the jobs of everyone that's older. So by the time I get to my retirement age, then we'll see it all happen. Maybe things will get interesting for sure. Well, I mean, I am the uh, the last of the baby boomers, right? I was born in 62. The baby boomers, either 62 or 64, depending where you are. You're the last of the baby boomers. Um, Baby boomers are people born from 1946 to 1964. They're called baby boomers because of the large increase of births after World War II. And we're called baby boomers because after the war, they just came in and exploded. Population yeah. just exploded, right? Nothing better to do, I guess. I don't know, but exploded, <laughs> right? Peace. Peace, right? But from that, like, again, you grow up and you're like... Hmm, do I really want to have those kids? You know, how did my mom handle it? Was my mother happy? Yeah. Were my parents happy? Well, there was more support too, though, wasn't there? When, when, you know, when you talk about group, I think that also plays a big role because if like support, right? Mm -hmm. And so th that that's what I question because people come to this city and talk about the lack of support. It's just mm -hmm. me and the kids. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, like there's no mm -hmm. one. There's no, yeah. and that makes it more difficult, I suspect. Mm -hmm. I mean. And yeah, and that's something that has happened, you know, before basically you grew up and you lived in the same place, right? You kind of stayed within that community where you did have the, you know, the relatives and that, you know, if you're an immigrant, like we were immigrants, you know, we didn't have aunts and uncles or grandparents that lived here. You know, it's like that's why the kids took care of the of the others. Mm. You know, did we have sitters? Yes, because we used to go travel back and forth, right? If we were in Mexico, we had a sitter, but our mother wasn't there. Our parents weren't there. They were here working, right? Mm -hmm. So is that is that idea that no, we don't have the social support anymore because, like I said, my my parents live in Utah. Yeah. And, you know, and it's funny because I moved here and then my girls followed me here and then their father followed them here. Yeah. So it's it's, again, trying to maintain our community. But for some many people, especially if you're here, you know, illegally and whatnot, you don't have that community. Yeah, that's it's just, that's a whole nother that's conversation a whole nother, yeah, yes. to have. It's, it's such a struggle. Yeah, I think we covered most of it. Um, you know, yeah, the, so. the, the anxiety, the depression. The, the, the struggles within the family. I think it's pretty good. I think it'd be good to end here. This is Reframing Modern Medicine with Dr. Rivas and Alex. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening, and we thank Gloria Valencia for coming onto the podcast. If you would like to check out other episodes of our podcast, please visit our page on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, 
and iHeartRadio. This is Alex signing off for Dr. Rivas. Thanks for listening and or watching the fourth episode of Reframing Modern Medicine, and we hope to see you again soon.